Welcome to the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Church podcast. My name is Ryan Kagman. The HBIC podcast brings you weekly episodes on the topic of discipleship, where we'll sit down with members of the HBIC family to hear their stories, hear about the different ways people at HBIC are pursuing discipleship. In other words, how they are learning to follow Jesus' example and obey his teachings in their daily lives in practical ways. This week, we have part two of my conversation with Bernardo and Michael. In part one, we talked about the importance of knowing our history, um, whether institutional or personal. This week, we dig more into the personal, into self-knowledge and the limits of it. Um, You know, there's so much we actually don't know about ourselves, about others. So how do we have a posture of humility, of real biblical wisdom in our relationship with others, with ourselves? and with God. Um, It was a pleasure and a privilege to share this conversation with Bernardo, and I hope it's a benefit to you. Bernardo, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank you. It's been so long. It's been (laughs) whole minutes since we last recorded something. (laughs) Yes. So I would love to hear about your um, discipleship practices, which is an incredibly broad category, Um, but I want to try and keep it broad. This can be personal, family, communal, whatever it may be, and whatever discipleship means to you. I think often it gets pigeonholed right away into like, what's your, what's your prayer and scripture reading practice? And we could definitely talk about that. But you know, when I ask you uh, discipleship practice for you, um, what does it look like for you to practically follow Jesus from day to day, week to week? Yes. What comes to mind for you in that? Uh, yeah, I think that's an uh, important question. Um, I think for me, discipleship practices invariably depend on what one was first existentially wrestling with. Because practices can be found in a book that tell you to do these X, Y, Z things. But what ends up doing is always determined by where one stands. So I think the one puzzle I've been wrestling with maybe for a decade now, it has become clearer to me, is an existential one. And it's uh, it has two faces to it. So one is, um, I do not know enough about myself. And the second is, whatever I might think about the world, it always exceeds my thought. I cannot encapsulate the world. But typically how I walk around and have walked around probably continue and I think I continue to walk around is I I speak as if I know myself and I speak with authority and I say things about the world as if I know that they really are there as I say it is so this is the dilemma well you're a scholar you're supposed to speak with authority right (laughs) that's what my discipline trains me to do right so I think that creates a conundrum Hmm. a puzzle that is not easily resolved but allows me to consider humility for a little bit of time. Hmm. So I think my discipline, my discipleship practices now, where, where I stand now, need to try to address that in some way, shape or form. The issue of humility in yes in, in these knowledge. two fronts and yeah. always rem- how do i remind myself when i speak that actually you do not know enough about who so i do not know enough about who i am means i have to go back and understand my history better not just for a textbook 
sake, but to be emotionally present, without which I cannot be spiritually mature. So you see, they're all these, they're all intertwined, and, uh, but they start with my a curiosity about who am I and where did I come from. And this is a perpetual one. It will never fade from my life. It shouldn't. So it has to be always present in front of me. I'm hoping it's not narcissistic in the sense of I'm self-indulging in myself. But hopefully the aim is so that I can be more present in my own life and in the lives of my environment. People love myself. I, how can I love myself if I don't know who I am? Mm -hmm. That is a puzzle. But I always act as if I know who I am. So then I know who I love, but who I love is not the person who Christ is talking about. Hmm. So these are these kind of things that I wrestle with these days. So bring that down to earth for me. How how do you then go about <laughs> um, growing in humility in those areas and exploring that puzzle? Yeah, so if you are in in relationship with people who are willing to challenge you and don't just take your authority for what it is, that helps. So sometimes marriage can be a place where you can do a lot of that growing. If you're truthful and honest and not just laying down the law mm. and you're not Moses with the tablets at all times, but you are willing to listen. And, and oftentimes I have realized I have spoken with authority when I should not. Right? You don't, but it seems like it's good authority until someone, you know, your spouse or your children or uh, maybe students in the class or someone kind of pushes back and shows you that no. I exist and I'm different from what you think, whatever should this should. So that challenge comes from others, and that is very helpful, I think. Uh, coming to realize that the world is far more complicated than me and my thought, that is, I find that very, very, um, that, that to me is, is another kind of challenge. I have not fully got any kind of handle, and I don't think I should get a handle on it. I think I sh might have to be more comfortable with the fact that I cannot explain everything and I need to be comfortable with contingency and in an inexplicability. Not everything can be explained. And that causes me to trust more in God uh, than me covering it up and drawing all the lines and the flowcharts that explain everything neatly. So these, this, I think, and in the middle of all of this, if God's hand is, it can, this can be an intellectual exercise, but if, in because I, I still believe in faith, I have uh, Christ and all of, and my religion and my faith is important to me this unknown unseen hand of Jesus can always shape that journey and make it a much richer one so I think that is what I have been wrestling with a lot of late hmm. and in my personal journey what does that mean I mean so I've read the Bible done all those plans you read the read the Bible in a year read it in half you know all those things I've done so now I kind of more focus in the morning. I have some reading time. I try to read in the morning. But if possible, I try to have a midday time as well. Mm. Uh, even a simple thing like the Bible app, the words from it can feed one. So if one gets into the habit of doing that, if I get into the habit of doing that, sometimes the midday is a very busy time of the day and a lot of things may be happening. But if I can pull time out and just remember and remind myself to a few minutes of scripture time that helps and then being generally open and aware to the heartbeat of God always helps me and I always find that if I'm aware of the heartbeat of God then I may be in trouble 
because <laughs> it never ends it never ends very well for me mm-hmm. i it always has ended badly for me which is i think good in another way so there is this kind of and so that's how i measure my life if you do an audit you know people do metrics and assessment the assessment for me is how many times you have felt you know i've got that pain oh wow the growing pain you know yeah so i feel okay uh i need a break god but okay give it if you have to you know and so you, you taken through life through those journeys those moments yeah it has really been good so i i you know so you asked me what are my discipleship practices and i stepped back from the question and went into these two twin two-faced double-faced puzzles existential dilemma that i wrestle with which i think inform my faith and my desire to practice my faith in a more serious and intentional way sure yeah your <laughs> i mean that's part of the there are a lot of courses you can take in the school of discipleship and humility is a, is a huge one and even epistemological humility uh i shouldn't have said epistemological in that way <laughs> yes i i think it is uh, incarnational yeah um yes. I need to be more humble and not say words like that on the podcast. But the the <laughs> humility of of thinking you know yourself or can even know yourself or the world to the degree. I mean, as you're talking, I just think of um Job, right? I mean, just the uh I think I've talked about this on a recent podcast too, but you know, the 38 chapters of intellectual uh sparring and negotiating for the fu- for the final word to be you don't know all you think you know and job saying you're right i'm sorry <laughs> and then that you know like i think of that a little bit and so much of the scriptural witness so it's i mean i think it's very relevant that scripture factors majorly for you in in untangling that existential knot because so much of scripture so much of the biblical category of humility um is is not so much you know i think we hear humility and we think in terms of uh self abasement and being you know sheepish and demure and and whatever else but it it more so scripturally in in my mind um or in my reading it's just knowing our positioning <laughs> relative to god's knowing our lack of 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 knowledge and awareness and power relative to god's knowing who god is and who we are um and how that relates to our knowledge of the world and ourselves and um so i think of job i think of you know the proverbs i think of the prophets i think of any of that but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know um so i i shared the two dilemmas right this conundrum but there are practical ways of discerning that again i think for instance i mean i may not know how much i am shaped by the male culture of my family that's one thing i've wrestled with and continue to that's what i said i do not know enough about myself mm-hmm. but i speak as if i know it all but actually what i'm speaking what i'm behaving my interactions my disposition is actually much older it comes from somewhere else it has been shaped and formed mm-hmm. in fact i tell when i do my history classes i share with my students we were birthed before we were born mm. in other words the forces that conspired to create who we are were already at work before we came into this world so they left their fingerprints on us 
So Christ is the one who helps us discover the other side of the iceberg. You know, 90% of the iceberg is under the water. 10% is only to be seen. We operate from the 10%, I feel. I operate. Mm-hmm. So what is that other 90% I can't see that actually shapes who I am? So on a very personal level, that has been very important for me to understand how being shaped by generations of men ruling our, my families has deeply left its deposit in me. But I didn't even know it. Neither did they tell you. Neither did the church say anything. So you're walking, drinking the Kool-Aid every day, and you end up 50 years later, oh, I did drink the Kool-Aid. The second part is, so if I have drunk the Kool-Aid and I am now looking at the world through the eyes of my people Mm. who came before me, then what I see of the world is not the world in all its complexity. So I already have decided to look at the world in a certain way. And those who do not fit that way, they will get left out. And typically those who get left out are usually the the victims of all of it are people who are closest to you. Mm. Family members, spouses, children, if you have children, or good friends, they may get left out. That's what I meant by saying the world is far more complicated and exceeds my thinking. Because my thinking is so limited and shaped by where I am coming from. Mm. But the way I project myself is I have an answer for everything. Mm -hmm. So then now realizing, okay, if I see the world through the eyes of my ancestors or the generations who came before me who have shaped me to be who I am, then obviously who I'm dealing with, my family, my friends, church, whatever, I am probably not understanding them well as they need to be understood with the sympathy and the compassion and the open-mindedness that is needed. Mm. So this is the two puzzles but in a very practical, real-life way. So this is the audit. Mm-hmm. But I, I cannot come to this audit. I, didn't, I don't believe I came to this audit on my own strength or by reading a book. There are lots of books and I've read them. But I think Jesus Christ was fortunate, has tried to show me this, some of it, not too much maybe, because I may be unteachable in some ways. So this is the puzzle I'm wrestling with. And... Um, is the answer, is a solution to the puzzle that by the power of Christ you'll you'll grow in that knowledge so that you can more faithfully interact with your family in the world? Or is, or is the solution to the puzzle submission to your own lack of knowledge <laughs> and, yeah. and just operating from that place of dependency? And I, I don't know, and I'm not going to know. Does that make mm. sense? I think... W- Uh, It is only for me, because again, as I said, I'm a person of faith. I want to draw on my Christian faith, which has helped me in so many real, meaningful ways, concrete ways. I want to draw from that to understand this. And it's only in Christ I discover this reality of my life, my existence. And with the help of Christ, I can now navigate every day in the partial in in the sense of being, I'm far, I, I know, in the sense of this self awareness, mm-hmm. of my awareness of myself and the world, mm-hmm. and so it's not a dead end. It is a another journey now. Mm-hmm. It's we're going somewhere. I cannot tell you where, but and that journey is fueled and driven by the knowledge that I am with Christ on this journey. Mm-hmm. That is it. 
So it's a tentativeness to it. Yeah. There is a fragility to it. Mm-hmm. Because I may fall apart on the way. Sure. Because Christ will ask for everything. Mm-hmm. But how would I give Christ anything if I did not know who I was? Or did not want to know who I was? Right. Because I enjoy privileges there. Mm-hmm. So with the loss of privilege I've learned comes grieving. We have to grieve the loss of privilege. You don't lose privilege by saying a word. We have to grieve it. And when you grieve it, that is very difficult. Mm-hmm. But that takes time. It has to be fleshed out. So I, I don't know. I hope I'm making some sense somewhere. I'm trying to make sense to myself as well. Yeah, that's okay. I I, uh, I appreciate the image of the journey um, with Christ. I think, you know, I, I can get in trouble. I think many of us can get in trouble of... Um, coming to God in prayer toward some end other than uh, Christ himself, Um, even a really noble and admirable end, like, Lord, may I know myself better so that I can love those in my life better. Um, And Lord, like, give that, (laughs) give that ability and that knowledge to me so that then I uh, can then go off presumably without you by my side to exercise that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Christ says, no, like follow, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll learn along the way together, but there's no, there's no, I hand off this parcel to you and now you, you have this. It's yeah. like, no, you're going to walk with me yeah, uh, and depend on me and at times fall apart on that journey. And at yeah. times, um, yeah, I think what I've, I, what I've said, I guess is another way of saying what is love. This is love. What is discipleship? This is discipleship. This is all the words that we use. Mm-hmm. To me, they boil down to these couple of things that I'm now currently yeah. wrestling with and continue to do that. What wisdom means for me has, has been changing a lot over the last number of years. Um, I, I wonder how many people in my life have been praying that I would finally grow in wisdom a little bit, <laughs> that God's working this out in me, but... Um, Forgive me, listener, if I've said this in the podcast before, but um, I used to think wisdom meant uh, knowing the right thing to say to people or having the right insight um, into something in the moment. You know what I mean? And increasingly, I think wisdom, for me at least, is manifesting itself as just uh, being able to rest in what I don't know, yeah. being able to hold my tongue, yes, restraint, <laughs> sit and be quiet the and strength, wait, yeah. the strength to do that, being and just the uh, wisdom increasingly is like, oh, I see now. Like the, the wisdom is that older person in my life who's who's circumspect and and yeah. careful to speak. Um, they know <laughs> yeah. they're the person I need to hear and listen to, even though their words are the least. Uh, easy to get out you know yes yes i mean i think of you know when you're younger or when i'm i was younger it seems you're always on in overdrive well what is driving the overdrive what is the engine what is the motor you know it's so much of my past Mm -hmm. and but i do not know what it is Mm -hmm. i don't have a kelly's blue book about it so i can't measure it and and then as you grow older you discover oh some of those things that you know you did were not they were not the best ways to react to situations. So you become a little bit more wi- wiser. You become a little bit more willing to listen. 
you become a bit more willing to hold back this comes with age it would be nice to have it at an earlier point in life so you can have better uh, fruit around us right. in our lives and through us and all of that yeah maybe no one's been praying for wisdom for me and i just have been accruing enough <laughs> failures and embarrassments and <laughs> uh things over the quim just getting older and or you just you get tired and you you, you see more and um yeah i i don't know what it was in me throughout my life that drove me to drives me to need to be able to say the right thing and and do the right thing and um that shaped a lot of you know my story of my life to this point you know mm-hmm. and it puts you in a precarious position if that's a besetting if that's a besetting sin for you i, I don't know if it's sin necessarily but uh if it's a besetting issue for you and then you also find yourself in the in the vocation of being a pastor and people are looking to you to say a right thing or to act in a right way um it's just kind of like reifies that that bad tendency in myself to you know call it a perfectionism call it a messiah complex whatever it may be to so yeah yeah i think the, the sense of overdrive and your chugging along in life with this energy of you're going to build and if you're probably very male you're probably going to control you're going to be in charge you're going to be doing all these things to people around you or in an office or wherever we find ourselves located i think some of that if we do it that way then you i forget to actually enjoy and love people for who they are not for who i think they should be mm. So sometimes there is this subtle distinction there that you know I don't think I have always made you l- to love people for who they really are as they are you don't have to bring your theories of the world on their heads you don't have to view them out of your ignorance that's where Christ has to come and reduce that ignorance i don't know enough about myself that's i'm ignorant mm-hmm. but then i'm viewing these people and judging them or saying things about people in my family whoever they might be and to be in that some other place that is with Christ in love uh, to incarnate that that is not easy i want to imagine as a as a teacher as well that does that exacerbate this a little bit as well when you're standing before students yes teaching trying to impart things to them trying to shape them yeah in different ways to that's true how do how does that you know interaction yeah i mean i've over the years come to appreciate that they are actually not students they are fellow travelers who god has given a short road to walk with and you're just walking side by side with them you're not standing on top of a mountain you're not preaching anything you don't have anything to sell and <laughs> they have a story to tell you listen to it you have a story to tell because the pedagogy the class the structure the course is there but the journey is one of equals it's very hard to live it out so i also was i come from a society where teachers are given a lot of respect and i think it's fair but sometimes a teacher is also sitting on top of the mountain speaking out while you soak in the knowledge and the wisdom i would like to see it as a little bit more equal and so that has that is something i've had to learn over the years to be able to do that and then that way i feel i am better equipped to see them not as a student who has to be imparted knowledge 
But as another human being telling me their story that I need to acknowledge, listen to, and see where that story intersects with the goals of my class, which are probably much more mundane and boring. You know, so history of India, South Asia is important, but the lives of these people we are in touch with, and they, that, that's a, so it's a different kind of journey. It has changed the way I teach. So I like that. And even teaching, you know, the way we say it suggests you are teaching to something. But the teaching can be a reverse act as well. So that has to be understood. It takes time. Hmm. So you're not a fan of standardized tests then, I should assume. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Do you want to give your thoughts on the PSSAs <laughs> while we're here? <laughs> Those are all attempts, worldly attempts to gauge and understand. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I like to work between and around them. I think when they need to be done, I'll do it. Sure. Because there are people who, whose work is to assess all of that. I can do that. But uh, for me, the classroom is everything that happens in other time in, around it as well. So, and I have plenty of time to work on that. And I assume you've seen, you've alluded to this, but you've seen this tendency in yourself operate in your immediate family as well. I mean, with your with your wife and your children, you've, is this something you've had to navigate? And if that's too personal, we don't have to talk about it. But yeah, of course, all the time. I mean, family is the matrix from out of which all of this comes. You know, so yeah. So there was a heavy emphasis. Has always been a heavy emphasis on education. Um, I come from South Asia, so there's a very emphasis culturally on education. So that is already front-loaded. Mm -hmm. It comes, it's part of the deal. Mm -hmm. So the, the children and everyone has got that end of the bargain from me. Mm -hmm. But in terms of has your, your need for people to be a certain thing and not just who they are. Yeah, so that yeah. has not always helped in me accepting yeah. them for who they are. Right, right. Because I, I think I know who they should be. <laughs> and... I also think I know it because I know myself. That was my journey and I struggled. You know, I have all these. We have these, I call them myths. We tell ourselves about mm -hmm. ourselves mm -hmm. that we then inflict on everyone around us. Inflict is a good word, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and some of it is true because I had to struggle to get an education. We went through a lot. They were genuine struggles. They were not to be, you know, shorthanded. But that cannot be the only way to measure others. Well, that means I have to give up my own glorification of my own struggles. Because we put, we put them all on the throne. Mm -hmm. And they're genuine, they're real, they're heartfelt. But as I celebrate that, I may end up marginalizing someone else, mm -hmm. especially your own family. They may have other needs. Their complexity is greater than what I think and who they are. So, you know, I have to... But you don't know this. Nobody's there to tell you this. In fact, everyone thinks you're doing a great job. So how does one reach that place where you see the other shadows of one's own self and the people around you? So only, I think Jesus helps, has helped. That's why my faith is very important because I haven't discovered it in the nooks and crannies of my own life. Mm. You know, Jesus has been lurking there... Yeah, I'm here still, you know. <laughs> You're surprised to see me here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the little head behind the corner, you know. <laughs> so, um, so th as you said, yeah, it is It is not easy for those who are around you, especially if you feel very empowered by who you are. And if you've bought into your own myths and you've drunk your own Kool-Aid, you produced your own Kool-Aid and drank it. Mm. 
in addition to the Kool-Aid you drank from before, mm. from others who prepared. So there's multiple layers that one, I find my faith addresses these questions. That is why I like my faith. That's mm. the only reason. Otherwise, you know, it's just an academic exercise. Mm. So I hope I got to what you were trying to rightfully point out to. It has not been easy. Because mm-hmm. when you see yourself in the mirror, then it's, oh, you don't, you aren't actually royalty. <laughs> yes. No, that is... Um, we are royalty in our own eyes, right? All sure, the time. <laughs> sure. And I don't know what it says about me that my experience of interaction with God likewise often comes down to him <laughs> holding up the mirror to who I really am and making me stare that down and <laughs> giving me wake-up calls. Uh, th- I don't know what that says about me. That's the, that that's the uh, typical MO. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> what I need apparently for whatever reason yeah, yeah, so yeah. happy to uh, be on the journey with uh, you know <laughs> someone else that needs to learn some of those things yeah yeah yeah. get to know what they don't know yes yes it is the puzzle and the mystery of of living in Christ hmm. this is to me the puzzle and the mystery mm-hmm. because Christ reveals the puzzle and the mystery we are to ourselves right and the affront Christ is to us. Christ mm-hmm. challenges us. And also the world that I try to, I'm trying to survive, live into, actually is far more difficult, complex uh, than I might imagine it to be. So the humility, being in Christ, this is love, this is discipleship. This is what it all means. I can't pull them all apart and say this is discipleship this week we'll do disciple next week we'll do they're all so intertwined seamlessly Mm -hmm. marbled into each other Mm. that's a culinary metaphor there we go came back (laughs) amen thank you Bernardo thank you